0: Just to give you a little bit of pre-warning about what we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about Olympic training, uh, water walking, and heat treatment of metals. So uh, as long as, uh, you know, and somewhere, hopefully in all of that, um, those three are going to get pulled together uh, into, into one coherent um, message. So I want to start um, first of all, uh, before we, we we sing or anything, uh, with this. Does, does anybody know who that is? Okay. It is Tom Daly. Does he look happy? <laughs> what about there? It, it looks like it's a bit of a strain, doesn't it? And uh, and of course we've got. A lot of sympathy for him because he went out in the semi finals, so one of our great medal hopes dashed. So, we need to find a replacement for Tom Daly for the next Olympics. Now, I'm, I don't want to be unkind, but some of you are just too old, so, so you're not going to cut it. So, pardon? You'll do it. Well, okay. <laughs> Can you do the men's 10-metre <laughs> board? Well, why not? <laughs> anyway, I've chosen Oliver as our best candidate. Yeah? Is that okay? Oliver, come up here. Right. So, do you know, have you ever jumped off a 10-metre diving board? No. Yeah. No? Have you ever jumped off a diving board at all? No. No? No diving boards? Right. Just stand on the step here jump off ok yeah, yeah okay. Right. Okay. That, wasn't, that wasn't too bad was it right ok so now 10, 10 metres next well actually 10, 10 metres now um, the roof here uh, that's somewhere between 7 and 8 metres high so 10 metres is, is another kind of couple of sections of roof higher than that Okay. What what do you think about
1: that? That's quite high. It's quite (laughs) high, isn't
0: it? What do you think we should do? You you think it's a bit scary, um, but I want you to jump from 10 metres and I want you to do four somersaults on the way down uh, and then enter the water without making a splash. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, Maybe you're not the man for me. Go and sit down. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I mean, it's ludicrous, isn't it? The thought of standing, I, I mean, even to me, the thought of standing 10 minutes in the air. I, I once dived off a five metre board, got it horribly wrong, and landed almost flat on my back from five metres. Let me tell you, it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that was 40 something years ago and I haven't jumped off a 5 metre board since so um, I, did, I did see somewhere uh, a, a video of Tom Daly training actually and it, it didn't involve the pool at all he jumped up and down on a trampoline and did a few kind of rolls in mid-air or whatever, and then he jumped off a board into a pile of foam. And, and he kept doing that. What's that got to do with diving? Yeah. But that's, that's our approach. What do you think it's got to do with diving, Arthur? He, he's actually jumping, you're right. So what he was doing was he was practising the elements of what he needed to put together he didn't try and do the whole thing uh, at once and that I suggest to you is often our approach when we think about what we've got to do in serving God we think well um, I don't want to jump off a 10 metre board well that's okay. I can do that now give me something a bit harder to do. But um, well, the things I want to talk about this morning suggest that actually that isn't what, the way that God treats us. He doesn't give us the opportunity to do stuff in small steps, um, as we'll see later on. So, um, let's think about some of that and our theme for today, the which is Olympic training, water walking and heat treatment of metals. Um, I've had my volunteer... So let's think about the commitment that we need in order to do those things. We're going to sing two songs. First of all, I want to serve the purpose of God in my generation. And then after that, I will worship with all of my heart. So this is us coming to God and dedicating ourselves to wanting to to do what he wants us to do. Father, you indeed are worthy of all praise that we can give to you. Praise not just with our lips, but praise in our hearts and praise in our lives and the things that we do. And Lord, we pray that you will help us be stronger, fitter, more the people that you want us to be, that we may lift your praise higher and higher, that we may turn every aspect of our lives to praise to you and that we will serve you and we will serve you well in our lives in response to the love that you have shown to us. Amen.
2: So it just remains... say the care news which has been prepared by Andrew and Sheena Um, I've got a note from Rosie Uh, you may remember we have prayed for our friend Aretha several times in recent months we've been very worried about her as she was obviously becoming more unwell sadly we discovered this week that she had died three weeks ago a neighbour told us that she collapsed on her stairs of her flat and was taken to hospital but sent home two days later. She then died at home the next day. That was uh, July the 22nd. She had two brothers who are Muslim and very opposed to her becoming a Christian. And we assume that they have arranged uh, for a Muslim funeral for her. Aretha had had a very troubled life and was not an easy person. But we believe she found God's love in her life and her long association with us at the Bethel I hope helped her in this. In the last 12 years or more, she had been one of our most regular attenders at Tuesday and Sunday evenings and has also been at the Fellowship Day, Fellowship Weekend every year. We may have failed her in some ways, but I also think we gave her a place to come where she experienced God's love and I think that was precious to her, even if she didn't always share it. She is at peace and in God's hands. And she died trusting in the loving God that she had come to know. Rosie ends by saying, God brings many people to us during our lives, and we pray that we can share his love and message of hope wherever we can. I've also got a note from Anne. Uh, Please pray for my brother Bernard's wife, Jane, who has been diagnosed with cancer, a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. She has to go undergo six treatments of chemotherapy at three-week intervals. The final prognosis is that hopefully by Christmas she should be all clear. Please include their three children and all the wider family in your prayers at this difficult time. Uh, John Brand's making slow but steady progress after his hip operation. Angela is waiting for a scan in connection with her foot pain. Pauline was sent home from hospital on Friday, but after a few hours was taken back again to A&E at Withenshaw Hospital. Pauline is now on ward A ten there. This is such a disappointment to Pauline who had been in hospital since March. Excuse me Tim Sorry,
3: I've had a text this morning okay. she's actually on F fourteen.
2: Okay. And visiting is from two till seven. Okay, so Rosie's had an additional text this morning to confirm that she's actually on ward F fourteen. She's been, moved from she's, been she's been moved to F fourteen. And visiting hours are between two and seven. Between two and seven p.m. It might even be one and seven. Could it could even be one and seven? It's Check beforehand with the hospital. <laughs> Um Sarouj, his court hearing has finally been—oh, sorry—has been given the new date of twentieth of January next year. Just push back even further. Please continue to pray for him. Um, and I've got two things. Uh, one of Zoe's best friends father has been diagnosed with CDP um, and has decided upon himself not to entertain any treatments or doctor's appointments and that could really do with prayers uh, for his wife and his daughter who are really struggling to encourage him to engage with medical services. Also um, Adam Bilton's mum, some of you may know Adam Bilton. His mum is really ill at the moment. I could do with our prayers and thoughts. Um, And that is all I've got written down. Thanks, Jim. Um,
0: Is there anybody else that people would like us to pray about? Yes. Right, so that's that's Keenan's aunt has got terminal cancer, uh, so we can pray for Keenan and his family. Any anything else? Okay, let's uh, uh, just bow our heads. And uh, um, Father, we've heard a, a, about a. Uh, a lot of people with different sorts of problems um, different things that cause challenges in their lives Uh, illness for them uh, and illness for loved ones sometimes with a, a tag against it that says we don't expect this person to recover and we find it very hard, Lord, to to understand how um, these things operate in our lives, and um, it's very hard when something happens that is close to us to um, take all, to to view it objectively and take away the the pain. And yet, also, Lord, we recognise that that pain in itself changes us. And through that, we understand you better. That all of the events in our lives can shape us and change us to be more like you. If we humble ourselves under your hand and work with you, in our lives Lord we pray that you will give comfort to those who need it and where possible that we might be the means of that comfort that we might do your will and Lord if we struggle to to understand why sometimes help us to build our trust And our belief and our faith in you. Amen. Well, in terms of um, wondering why and what might be happening. I'm sure there were a number of people asking those questions during the events in Matthew chapter 14, which Rosie's going to read for us Matthew
3: chapter 14. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the reports about Jesus And he said to his attendants, this is John the Baptist, he's risen from the dead. That's why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered him a a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken feces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself, to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. come, he said. Then Jesus got sorry then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. but when he saw the wind he was afraid and began to sink, crying and beginning to sink cried out, And when the men of the place recognised Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed.
0: Um, It's quite an incident isn't it this, and, and, and I think we, we tend to be a bit um, divided in whether we, uh, we focus on uh, the fact that Peter, having started to walk on the water, lost his, his faith and, and needed some help, or, um, or on the fact that he, he ever got out of the boat in the first place. Uh, would, would anybody like to tell me what's wrong with this painting it should be in the middle of the night, uh, the of the night. that's good it's a storm it doesn't look very stormy does it you think know, that's a bit better that's a, that's a bit more you know the boats filling up with water and so on Galilee when you look at it on a map doesn't look very big even when you stand on the shore, you can see the other side of Galilee and, and you think... The, the disciples had been rowing this boat for about eight hours at the time that Jesus appeared. They'd been rowing and rowing and rowing and they'd got, they'd, they'd got three or four miles. That's all, that's all they'd done in all, in all of that time where normally they would expect to zip backwards and forwards uh, across the lake. Um, we, we don't know... I, I, exact, exactly what time it was um, I, I found an interesting bit of trivia um, uh, whilst I was looking at that which is that Roman hours are not all the same length so they depend on what time of year it is so um, the, the watches of the night are actually watches of the night so in the summer they're shorter and in the winter they're longer um, uh, and and uh, how you're supposed to keep pace of that, uh, I have no idea, because you can't use a sundial, obviously, at night. But 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 that's what they are. Now, Harry Whittaker suggests that this was round about Passover time, so in the spring. I, have, I, I, I cannot see where he gets that from, but on these things he's usually right, so I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, which would mean that um, uh, sunset... Um, I wrote this down I wrote this down somewhere Uh, Sunset was um, was about seven half past seven in the evening and sunrise was about six the following morning so we're in the fourth watch of the the night so that's probably somewhere between three and six and when they get to land people see that Jesus is there Um, after this incident he was immediately there so that probably puts it at the latter end of that, maybe five o'clock in the morning. I I, um, I don't know. Um, Here's another quite interesting uh, painting um, of Peter walking on the water, Um, which I think gives another interesting perspective uh, on it, because this is Peter having sunk and Jesus reaching out and, and and pulling him up I know, quite like that um, there's another incident where there is a storm uh, on the lake um, but in that instance Jesus is with them in the in the boat uh, and that that gives a that gives a really nice stormy picture doesn't it um, uh, that's a uh, that's a picture by Ludov Backhoysen. If that means anything to any of you, it doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, whereas that one um, is by Rembrandt, so uh, is perhaps more in people's uh, uh, sort of ambit, I suppose. And I, I'm not. I can't even tell whether there's one or two boats there. Uh, there's so much water around. Um, I think probably that's wrong because I I very much doubt they'd have had their sail up in a uh, a storm like that. So I want to just um, look at those um, two events uh, side by side for a moment. Uh, Because in the first instance, um, Jesus actually sends them away and he tells them, you go off uh, and he goes off to pray. In the second one, it's a call. He says, let's go. And so he gets them into the boat. In both instances there, Jesus is in charge of the situation, right? So whether he's telling them to go or to come. In the first instance, uh, I think this is pretty self-evident, but, you know, when you do these lists, you need to put the stuff down. The first instance, Jesus isn't in the boat. In the second instance, Jesus is in the boat. It says, and Jesus has gone up onto a mountain to pray. It's night. They are two or three miles away. And it says he could see them toiling. Um, I can't remember which, which of the gospel accounts that's in. Let's just go back to one really, Matthew. Was it was it in there? Or was it in one of the others? Uh, yeah, it doesn't say it in Matthew, but if you go to across to Mark, and then oh, that's that's the other one. And look again, it's five thousand to Mark yeah 48 he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them Uh, and that must have been a miracle in its own right now if it was round about Passover there would have been a full moon but in a storm you still don't expect to see very much do you Um, and so he sets off to see them in, in the second one, uh, in the second instance, or, or what I suppose chronologically was probably the first instance, uh, when Jesus is not in the boat, he's asleep. When Jesus is in the boat, he's asleep. I'm making a real mess of this, aren't I? Right. Um, so, in the, in the event we're looking at from Matthew, Jesus walks alongside them after eight or ten hours of them rowing away. In the second instance, eventually, they wake him. Uh, uh, we have no idea how long they kind of, you know, put up with the storm, uh, or, or whether at the first instance that they shook him. I, we get no indication. Jesus doesn't call, doesn't, doesn't ask Peter for this demonstration. Peter says, if it's you... Tell, ask me and i'll come and i'll walk on water I'll walk to to you that was entirely peter's decision and I, I think actually when you think about that it it, it makes it stand out even even more um, and Jesus calls him Peter comes but then it says when he saw the wind um, he He's he's afraid, and and Jesus rescues him. So Peter put himself in that situation, but Jesus s- sorted it out. So Peter asks to be called. Jesus called Peter to So he says, "Lord, s- save me!" And immediately J- Jesus rescues him. When Jesus comes, the storm, the disciples say to him, don't you care if we drown? And the first thing he does is quiet the storm, quiet, be still. And then he says, in, both, in the first instance he says to Peter, why did you doubt? In the, in the other instance he says to the disciples, why were you afraid? Where is your faith? And then finally, um, in the event where Peter walks on water, Jesus gets into the boat and then calms the storm. See, um, that's why that first picture was so badly wrong, because the water all around Jesus was calm already. He was stood on a nice flat um, piece of water. I saw a YouTube video about how uh, a magician faked walking on water uh, thing, where they had these plexiglass pla- platforms under the swimming pool with kind of gaps in between them so people could swim in between them and he looked and he just stepped from one to another and if you got the camera angle right you couldn't, you couldn't see them at all uh, but he was you know, the, the water was like this deep and they made a bit of splashing because that helped the camera not, not see the stuff but When Jesus walked in the storm, it wasn't like that. It wasn't calm. It wasn't some, you know, paltry. I I have no idea what that must have looked like when there are waves like this, because he, you know, did the waves part so that he could walk through them? Did he go up one and down another? We, We have no concept, but it's not, you know, it's not a swimming pool experience, this. This is real heavyweight storms, And these are experienced sailors um, and for eight hours they've been trying to get across a small lake and got nowhere. Or three or four miles. So, what do those two incidents have in common? It's very clear... In both instances, that Jesus is in control. He sent them off or he called them to go. He knew what was going on. And when it comes to it, the storm does what he tells it to do. Um, the response is ours. You see, there were two different responses. In the first one, Jesus. Um, Peter says to Jesus, call me and I'll come to you. In the second instance the disciples said, don't you care, we're going to die. Different responses from uh, in those two circumstances. But the end of it all, in both of those, is that the storm is stilled and... In in the first uh, case, the case where Peter walked on the water, um, in one of the instances, it says immediately they were where they um, were going. So let me go back to our um, Olympic diver. See. We want, and this is, well, I don't think that I'm so unusual. If you, if you asked me uh, to walk on water, and, and I believed that you could teach me how to walk on water, this is what I'd want you to do. Could we start in the shallow end, please? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I could glide across a puddle. I mean, it would show the principle, wouldn't it? And, you know, I'd be convinced, you'd strengthen my faith, uh, and, and off we could go. Um, well, okay then, a swimming pool. Well, let's, we'll start at the shallow end of the, the swimming pool. What I don't want, I don't want to stream, because that's going to make it horribly difficult, isn't it? Let alone open sea. It's like asking me to dive off the 10-metre board without any practice whatsoever and yet it seems to me time and time again actually that's what god does you know when when we pray for things i think very often you know we might pray lord make me more tolerant or, Lord, make me more patient. Or, Lord, um, y- y- you know, make me more compassionate. Make me more like you. But what we don't want is some horrible, life changing experience. We want some nice, gradual little steps. Maybe you don't actually articulate that. But I think for most of us, that's true. And then, when tragedy uh, and disaster come into our lives, we go, oh. And maybe afterwards, we look back and we say, I recognise that what that has done to me is to change me in a way that is for the good it is never what we what we would ask for and for those of you who were here uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, dave Webman was talking about his experiences that exactly mirrors i think his experience he didn't he he didn't ask for he would not have asked for what he went through and yet i suggest to you that actually god Often deals with us in that kind of way and we have to recognise that he knows what is best he knew that for Peter it had to be in the storms, it had to be when he failed and recognised his reliance on Jesus to save him that he walked on water not in the shallow waters where the Jordan enters the uh, Sea of Galilee at the top end because there's always the temptation under those circumstances to think I did it not the Lord did it through me and we don't find those we don't find those easy and we don't you know it isn't what we would ask for so um, I'd like us to sing now and then we're going to um, break bread and drink wine then I have some more to say to you because I've only done two of the three things that I said I'd do we've talked about Olympic training we've talked about walking on water and the next thing that we're going to do is to talk about heat treatment of metals which I know is really what you've all been waiting for well, Martin at least Um, so think of it in the terms of the storm think of it in terms of Jesus who is in control and be still for the presence of the Lord the Holy One is here and
2: Father thank you for sending us bread from heaven as we take this and share this help us to relinquish control of our lives to your son Jesus to step out in faith towards him And give us courage, Father, that all will be well in the end. Amen.
0: Ewald's going to offer us. thanks for
1: the Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our church at Old Trafford. Dear Father, knowing you and believing in your son Jesus must be the ultimate. And I wish to share, sitting at your Lord's table, a cup of wine which represents his poured-out blood. Please help us to partake of it in a better manner. For Jesus' sake. Amen.
0: This cup is the new agreement that God has made with us. This changes us. It changes us because we see the love that God has for us. And it does something. It doesn't do something to everybody. But if we, our response is to change. And trials do a number of things. They, they test our identity... They test our faith, they test our purpose, they test our obedience, they teach us to rely on God, and they happen like the storm so that it will go well with us. I've put all those references up there to different things. I haven't got time to go through all of them, as is always the case, uh, putting too much to the phone. But I will just read you this Verse from Deuteronomy chapter eight, because he talks about all of the the, the good things and uh, that 's going to happen to them, but he says but he he, he talks about um, what happened uh, if they forget if their heart becomes proud and they forget. The Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of stra- slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. See, it wasn't a pointless exercise, those 40 years of wandering and all of the things that happened to them. God had a plan. In the end, it might go well with you. Trials bring change. Change is hard. People resist change. Paul, in Philippians 3, talks about all the things that he might have held on to and found important if he hadn't changed. And to change we need humility, we need to accept that change in us is required and we need purpose. We need to see that the change is for something. But on all of those things, what God says that he's doing is shaping us to his image. So, plenty of reading to, to do there afterwards, if you want. Right. So, my third point in terms about change. Uh, whoops. Let me just... Sorry, let me go back up and come back.
4: If we bend a piece of steel back and forth, it undergoes work hardening. The working rearranges the inner structure of the material. It becomes more and more brittle, and eventually snaps. Heat treatment can modify the properties of steel and minimize the effects of work hardening. This steel needle is tough and springy. Let's see what happens if it's heated to red heat, then left to cool slowly. This is called annealing. After annealing, the needle bends. And notice that it stays bent. It's lost its springiness. Let's now heat another needle, but then cool it rapidly. This is called quenching. It's now hard and brittle. This needle was also quenched. Now we'll heat it moderately so it just begins to change colour. Then let it cool slowly. This process is called tempering. Tempering removes brittleness while retaining the hardness required in the material. These golf clubs have been tempered to reduce brittleness, but retain the other qualities of the steel. The crystalline structure produced by quenching is called martensitic, after a metallurgist called Martens. Annealing, slow cooling, produces a different structure that's called austenitic, after another metallurgist named Austen. are going to look at the physical properties of carbon steels. In choosing the carbon content
0: you are making a choice. Well, we're not. Um, but, uh, and I, I hope you were paying attention to all of those and, and now understand the differences between austenitic and martensitic structures in steels and so on. I'm getting some nods from part of the audience. Well, one part of the audience. And uh, um, um, so just to recap, um, we've got a whole range of different steels, plain carbon steels, alloy steels, tall steels, stainless steels, uh, and, and we need different crystalline structures inside the metals for them to perform in different ways. We, you don't want the same structure from something that you're going to use uh, as, a, as a cutting tool to cut other metal as you do from something that's going to be the springs in your car, which need a certain amount of springiness. And they come, the changes in the properties in the metal come by heating it and then cooling it, and either cooling it rapidly or cooling it slowly. Lots of other materials in the uh, in the natural world behave in this kind of way, that if you heat them and cool them, depending how you cool them, they, they develop differently. Uh, if you want to make... Uh, this is going to wince at this point. If you want to make spreadable margarine, you have to cool the fat and water composite in a particular way in order to get nice, small crystals. And it's why if you melt some butter and then leave it to harden, it's never the same as it was when you got it out of the fridge. Because actually its crystal structure has changed. So, The purpose of heat treatment of metals is um, improvement in ductility, relieving internal stresses, uh, changing the size of the structure inside the grain grain size, increasing strength and hardness, and improvement in machinability and toughness. This is lifted directly from a treatise on, on heat treatment of metals. Hopefully, without me having to to go into that step by step, you can see that all of those are the kinds of things that we want to happen to us we, we, you know we want we don 't want at the very first little bit of bending to snap um, But not all metals behave in the same way. So I can take two batches of steel. I can treat them identically, but what happens to them will be different. Um, A very small change in the amount of carbon in steel, and it's carbon that makes steel, not iron. Uh, It's a bit of carbon dissolved in the metal. A very small change in the amount of carbon makes a very big change in the properties of the steel. And it won't behave the same way under the same heating and cooling. If I heat it to the same temperature uh, and cool it down, it will be different. So um, typically uh, there is something that is called the critical temperature. Of the steel, and that varies depending on its carbon content. And uh, if if I want to create tool steel, which is very hard, then having heated it and quenched it, and when I then temper it, I will raise it to a temperature of between two hundred and four and two hundred and twenty-six degrees centigrade. If I want to make spring steel, I will heat it to between three hundred and ten and three hundred and thirty-seven, and then let it cool. And that makes the difference between something that goes twang when you, when you push it and something that doesn't, that, that's like a rock. That small difference. Um, so we don't all respond to the same circumstances the same way. And in fact, actually, I've talked about steel. If I were to talk about copper or aluminium and nickel, they do exactly the opposite. You put them through the same, you put them through what would make steel soft and it makes them hard. And you put them through what would make steel hard and it makes them soft. Right? We're all different. We're all different, but God knows. So, although God refines us through I'm going to say, apparently, harsh treatment, plunging into the water at, you know, in the middle of a storm, all of the things in life that we say, ooh, I don't like this. Yeah? We're all different, and God knows how each of us will react differently to those circumstances. I've given us three different ways of looking at the world. Olympic athletes who train by doing small things and gradually build it up and build it up and build it up and I'm suggesting to you that apparently God doesn't work that way much he may and therefore maybe it goes unnoticed Um, if we want to walk on water it seems from the one biblical example that we have that the best way to do it is in the middle of a storm uh, when we've never done it before in our lives and just go for it. And that's what seems to happen to us. And we've seen from steels and other metals that by undergoing an apparently harsh treatment of heating them up, in some cases to red hot, and then plunging them into ice-cold water... That actually, that improves the structure of the metal. And that process may need to be repeated and repeated and repeated. Uh, The Japanese have this kind of obsession with samurai swords. and, And swords have a history and swords have names. And the reason for that is because the ancient steel makers in Japan knew what they were doing they folded the metal and they heated it and they cooled it and they folded it and they heated it and they cooled it. And they, and they covered parts of it with clay and heated other bits and cooled it. And, and they did that hundreds and thousands of times to make a single blade in order that the blade would have a hard, diamond-hard outer edge, but a springy middle that enabled it not to shatter at the first blow, but to but to to absorb the energy coming into it uh, through through and, and they did that without the benefit of thermometers and uh, infrared spectrometers and all the rest of the stuff, because the, they understood the metal and knew what they would do so this is probably the first time anybody from the platform has said that God is a samurai sword maker um, but we're, we're always going for first so, yeah, so um, he knows the metal he knows how it reacts he knows what to do to get the best out of it and if we struggle with that sometimes we need to learn to trust
1: Lord God thank you for the challenges we've received this morning thank you for the encouragement that we've received this morning Lord I I do pray that you will help us to think carefully about what Pete said we've talked about about the need for heat treatment, the need for going through things that are uncomfortable in order to be transformed into what you want us to be. Lord, it's easy for us to think about these things in a theoretical way. Easy for us to to view it as a as 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 a, a nice a, a nice concept and yes it makes sense. But Lord, when we are faced with those tough choices Lord, when we are faced with the challenges that you confront us with. Lord, I pray that you will give us the same confidence and the same determination that we saw in Jesus in Gethsemane, where he knew that what he was going to go through was going to be hard. The hardest thing he'd done in a life of hard things. And yet he submitted to your will. Lord, I pray that you will give us that determination to submit to your will. To be transformed into the people that you created us to be. We often go out of here expecting things to be just the same as they were. Lord, I pray that you will make things different for us so that we can be your servants, transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Go with us, Lord, we pray, in the name of Jesus.